Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Last class session we talked about Django Unchained and this class session we're going to jump into The Hateful Eight. I know this movie wasn't, uh, well, it was a little polarizing, uh, uh, more so than the last two Quentin films. I think a lot of people expected another Django Unchained and that's not what they got for a number of reasons. Number one is that Django was a... Uh, Hey, Django's a classical hero, and there are no heroes in this story, um, which leads me down what we're going to talk about today. That was that was purposeful. Quentin Quentin really wanted to write a story with no heroes, and he wanted to write a story where everybody's questionable, where you can't trust what anybody says. Um, they all have CD backgrounds, and they all have reputations, and you're not really sure what that means for who they are now in this story. And that led itself very naturally to writing a mystery angle, which is something that Quentin had never done before. Never really tried to make a mystery film because you question everybody. You know, it's kind of like Clue or uh, or Murder by Death or one of those movies in some ways. I mean, you know, naturally being a Quentin film, it's, it's obviously relatable to uh, Reservoir Dogs. Um, but it's also, or like The Thing. Uh, he, he talks a lot about how this movie's kind of like The Thing. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Now, we've we've kind of talked about how Quentin writes, where he just gets two characters in a room and he gets them talking, you know, and they go wherever they want to go. And uh, so Quentin did that this this time around. The difference is he didn't, uh, he didn't do any backstory for his characters. He didn't really know who these characters were. So when his characters uh, played by... Uh, so the so uh, the hangman and Major Marquess Warren and Chris Mannix and uh, Daisy Domergue all show up at Minnie's haberdashery and meet these other characters. He didn't know who they were either. All he knew was that he couldn't trust them, just like he couldn't trust any of the characters he'd met already. The only thing he knew for like those first twenty five pages at Minnie's was what the characters said about themselves, because that was just he he kind of pushed himself as a writer to just kind of write. And just go with whatever it was he came up with. He, yeah, he didn't write the backstories for these characters. He didn't do anything. And he just kind of let the characters reveal themselves as he kept writing. Up to the point where when the mystery happens, Quentin didn't know who did it. Quentin had no clue. I'm, 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 I'm trying to walk around it because I know some people probably haven't seen this movie and I don't want to give it away. But Quentin didn't know who did it. You know, Quentin didn't know who didn't until he got to that point in the story. Um, now, obviously, once it was done, you know, then he had, you know, then he had the whole story and then he was able to go back and, 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 and do some touch ups. And, and now he knew these characters. So then he wrote backstory for them and did all those kinds of things. Um, but for that first for that first time through, Quentin didn't know. Quentin knew just as much as any average audience member would know, which I think is kind of a cool way to do it. And one of the things that he talks about um, is. In this film, there's there's always kind of two plays in the frame, unless unless he intentionally doesn't want there to be. But there's always kind of two plays in the frame. There was whatever was happening in the foreground, and then there was whatever ha was happening in the background. And you as the audience member have to pay very close attention to both of those. And because there's always two things going on at once, there's this natural tension that builds because it's kind of starting to build claustrophobia as the story goes on. Now, we're going to talk about Quentin Tarantino's approach to suspense versus like the classical... Hitchcockian idea of suspense. Quentin puts two characters in the room and presents a problem. I often, often like he talks about, where there's always foreground and background going on. A perfect example of this from a movie that I think a lot of us have probably seen is Inglorious Bastards in the tavern, right? 
there's there's the bastards and the OSS officer and uh, Bridget von Hammersmark trying to you know trying to lay out their plan and in the background of that scene is the enlisted uh, German soldiers who are there celebrating um, one of their owns uh, becoming a father right that's happening simultaneously and so that's building tension in the scene um, similarly would be um, at the very beginning of Inglorious Bastards, um, there's there's Christoph Waltz, Hans Landa, and the dairy farmer up top talking, and they're talking about the people who are under the floorboards, right? The the very Jews that he's hiding, you know. And so there's this foreground and background element. There's always something happening, and then there's always something happening somewhere else. And so Quentin builds this tension by by putting two things. Um, you know what it is? You know what I just realized? In Hitchcock, Hitchcock talks about how chase scenes naturally build suspense. You know, is the car driving down the road parallel to the tracks going to be able to get out in front of it and cross the tracks before the train can hit them, right? Chase scenes naturally build suspense. What Quentin writes are dialogue chase scenes. Think about that for a second. He writes verbal chase scenes. He writes chase scenes that are that happen in such a way that you are waiting to find out if these people are going to get caught or if these people are are, are going to figure it out before some, before the other person does or whatever it is. You know, you're that's that's what he builds. He builds these verbal chase scenes. Okay. And on top of that, the way he structures the film. He builds tension and suspense by not giving you information. He's he's actually figured out how to how to not give you information and build suspense. Hitchcock's the exact opposite. Hitchcock, Hitchcock told you you have to give the audience information in order to build suspense. You know the old classic bomb under the table thing, right? The bomb's under the table, then boom, it just blows up. That's it. Fine, okay. But if we know the bomb's under the table, then then we're building suspense, right? Okay. In Quentin's film, Quentin structures his movies in a way, and he's done this since the beginning of time. We've talked about this, how he throws you in the middle of a situation where you have no idea what's going on. That's tension building. He just throws, he thrusts you in the situation and help and lets you figure it out. And after a while, you catch up. And then after a while, you get more information than you did. And if you've seen The Hateful Eight, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I'm talking about structuring a film this way. There is an entire scene, a big, big, big scene that happens that has happened before our characters got to minis, but you don't know what happened until he shows you that scene. And once he shows you that scene, you know more than the characters that are left at minis, right? Okay, that's how Quentin builds suspense. Now, Quentin has talked about in his DP slash 30 interview, I'm going to call it that so that you guys can spell it because I'm not typing it out or giving you a graphic or anything. That way you just know. I don't know if it's just DP30. I call, I'm going to call it DP slash 30 so you guys can look it up on your own. He says that um, he's considered adapting this into a play. And if he was going to adapt this into a play, he would do it differently. He would restructure the film. He would take that scene, that scene that gives you all the information, and he would put it at the head of the play. And then let the characters file in, and you'd get to meet these characters, all the while knowing exactly what was happening or exactly what had happened just before they got there. And part of that is that then they would never leave, need to leave Minnie's haberdashery, right? You can, you can keep it all contained at that point. But that's what he would do. And 
That's interesting because that's the classical approach to suspense. And Quentin seems to feel that that approach would be more suitable for stage. And I think some of some of it is the logistics. Some of it's the logistics of then you never have to leave Minnie's hat. Then you never have to leave Minnie's haberdashery. But I think some of it is is the different way that that would build suspense versus film, which is a much more fluid medium. You know, in a play, you walk in, you're stuck in your seat until the play's over. In film, and 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 you're only limited to what can be presented on you know within the proscenium. On film, filmmaker can take you anywhere. You know. And sometimes that's not a good thing, but you know that filmmakers can just take you places, even though you're stuck in that same seat in a movie theater. So that's kind of so. This is all Quentin's approach to suspense, which is very different from Hitchcock, but still works. Um, and the last thing Quentin talks about with building suspense is imagine, imagine the tension of a scene as a rubber band. And he, as the writer, is just stretching it and stretching it and stretching it and stretching it and stretching on and on and on and on. He will keep stretching as long as that scene will still hold together. As long as the scene you're watching hasn't fallen apart and just run over and just gone to ridiculous lengths, he will keep stretching. And so that's what Quentin does, is he takes all these techniques that we've talked about and sticks you into a scene and will let that scene run until it's run its course. He has no problem doing a 12-minute scene, a 15, a 20, a 30-minute scene. He has no problem doing that because he's Quentin Tarantino. You know, most people, most most screenwriting courses you'll take will tell you, try to keep your pages to average out to about two, two or keep your scenes so that they average over the course of the script to about two pages, which means that, you know, some of your scenes can run five, six, seven pages, and some of your scenes are going to run one or a half of a page or whatever that's you know i mean that that's the standard screenwriting rule pages or scripts scenes scenes <laughs> scenes should average over the course of a script to be about two pages well that's not how quentin does it um he has no problem stretching those scenes to as long as they need to be as long as long as they possibly can be and the scenes still hold together so that's Quentin's approach to uh, suspense. Hopefully that was helpful. Um, we've only got two more people. We've got Alita Battle Angel and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then we're going to call it good. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks again for listening to Hitchcock University. If you like what you've been listening to, give us a like, a comment, a rating, and review. Otherwise, uh, wherever it is you listen to the show, whether it's SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, of course. Um, and don't forget to keep up with the... Uh, the Hitchcock University um, YouTube channel. I, I right now, uh, I think that's going to continue into to, uh, 2020. I think we're going to keep doing this um, 2020, 2020, whatever. Because I've got another year I want to put under my belt just to kind of keep working on some stuff. Um, uh, yeah, so subscribe to that if you'd like. Um, I'm 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 trying to keep everything as educational as possible. Um, trying to keep things working for you. Yeah, and then of course you can you can keep up with everything we're doing there and everything we're doing at the pod on uh, on Facebook, the Hitchcock University Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at hitch underscore u as it the letter u is in university. Um, and then of course you can always reach out to the to me at, or or just the podcast in general um, 
on uh, Face, no, <laughs> on uh, Gmail. Uh, I have a Gmail account, uh, so you can email us, uh, HitchcockUniversity at gmail.com. That's all lowercase, all one word, HitchcockUniversity at gmail.com. Uh, thank you again for listening um, to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters like Quentin Tarantino. My name is Ben Taylor Bickle, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks so much.